and hear the, the word of the Lord. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, their days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in his swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, born this day, is the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel of multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. <laughs> I figure y'all hear us older folks read that scripture enough. It's I wanted to hear it from a younger voice, and Addison agreed to do this, and I thank you very much, Ms. Addison. You did a very good job. Thank you. Uh, it has been an interesting week. What you see here is the set from last week's Jingle Jam, and uh, the bottom line, that's what they have. It's the, the theme of, of Jingle Jam was generosity. And we're talking about the generosity that God had when he sent his son to be born in a manger, to live and die for our sins, and be resurrected so that we could have new life. Just talking about generosity. But I want to tell you something that we did at First Baptist that reflects the generosity of, of Jesus. And it's, you may hear this and go, this is no big deal. But for some reason, when I heard this, this is one of those things that I leaned back and went, you know what? This is cool. I'm glad we did this thing. I'm glad we do that. The angel tree downstairs. We get uh, names from the Department of Family and Children's Services of children that are in foster care. One of the things that I want you to understand about children, these children that are in foster care, is they're not going home to their moms and dads at night. They're going home to strangers. You know, these are strangers that love them and care for them and, and give them everything they need, but they're still not mom and dad. And they're not going home to their house. They're going home to someone else's house. It can become their house, but it's not. Their life is not normal like your children's lives are normal. So the Department of Family and Children's Services at Christmas in Jones County, one of the few counties that does that, we need to be proud of our folks that work for defects here in Jones County they get each one of the children to write a list of things that they would like for Christmas and this one particular child said he was not going to play not going to write a list he's about 10 years old not going to write a list because I never get what I want 
You just give me what you want me to have, and I'll just be happy with it. Just do what you always do, and it'll be fine. Ten-year-old, that jaded already. They finally got him to make a list, and on that list was a hoverboard. Y'all know those things ain't cheap, right? First Baptist Church of Gray has a hoverboard that that young man is going to receive in the morning. And I just thought that's the coolest thing in the world. This kid who never got anything he ever wanted, he got, he, you know, give it to me, it's fine. But this time he's going to get up and because of the generosity of this church, he might have a little chink break in that hardness of his heart. And he may be able to hear the generosity of Jesus. And he may have his life changed. And you know what? That's why we do what we do. That's as cool as it gets. Thank you all that participated. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us an opportunity to share your love, even if it was in a very small way, and in that moment, your name didn't get mentioned. But Lord, it was you. <clears throat> your spirit was there. Your spirit brought light into the darkness, and you brought love into a place that there was love everywhere, but he, the guy didn't see it. And I pray, I pray for this young man and that he will hear the Spirit whisper in his ear, sins are forgiven, you're special, you've been chosen since the beginning of time, be my child, and he'll respond. And Lord, I pray for all of those in our congregation, and our friends, and those that we love that are in the same situation that need to hear that for unto you, unto you a child was born, unto you a son was given, that there was a Messiah given to them to save them and give them life. And thank you for letting us be a part of that message. Lord, as we celebrate this morning and sing hymns that, that touch our hearts, I pray that you would be praised and you would be glorified and you would be uplifted this morning and that we would walk away from this place knowing that we have a great shepherd who loves us so much that he laid down his life and then took it up again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A pastor listens to a pastor listens to sermons like a football fan listens to football games. Honest to goodness, I like to listen to sermons, I like to listen to people preach. I like to listen to, to how they deliver the message and how they exegete the passage and how it all mechanically fits together and all of that kind of good stuff just like watching strategy on a football field and every now and then you get a sermon that's so good you know that you you forget the mechanics and you just get sucked into the story and it's all cool and you love that kind of stuff and it's great and uh and everybody that I've listened to this year talking about Christmas has got into all of the the mechanics of the Christmas story they've the prophecies and 
and the Messiahs be born and, and getting into what the names mean and how it all fits together and all this kind of good stuff. And if that's what you're looking for this morning, you are going to be so disappointed because that's not going to happen. I had uh, Christmas and Easter. Those are the big ones, you know. Easter's the big kahuna. Christmas is second. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm praying about it and praying about it for weeks. And, and the Lord says this. And I, I really believe that's, you know, the Lord said this. And, and I lean back and go, that, that's not much. And he said, that, that, that's good enough. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to tell two stories. I'm going to tell you the scripture that the two stories fit off of. I've told you one of these stories once before. I've read the story to you. It's one of my favorite stories in the world. And you're going to get to hear it a second time because it fits in this. See, we had a hard year. We had a hard year. I had a hard year. God allowed Satan to unleash a little stuff in the sanctuary, in the church, and we've had all of our stuff here. But, you know, I listen to you guys, and, and some of you, for the first time in your life, are wearing the title widow and widower. And that was not a title that you asked for or you wanted. Now, I do want to tell you that it is a title of distinction. Because when you make a vow before God when you're married, you say, till death do us part and if you're a widow or a widower I, uh, that that means that you you fulfilled the vow and you might say well you know it was my third marriage you know here's what I believe and and y'all you know you can disagree with him if you want to but boy will you be wrong <laughs> Romans eight twenty nine says for those he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and the way Bob, you're here. Hey, love to see you. Hey. Got a job. He's in North Carolina. He's back. Just, that's cool. Anyway, that, that what God says he's doing to each and every one of us is that he is growing us up. And when we become Christians, we don't become good right that minute. He sanctifies us through the process of our life. And sometimes we don't get it right. We just don't get it right until sometimes we get there. And if that's what happened to you, that's cool. You fulfilled that vow, and it's okay. Some of you are having your first Christmas without your mom or dad or both. That ain't easy. Dad's been gone for four years, and I still sit down sometimes and think about calling dad and asking him to help me with something and then realize that's going to be long distance and it won't connect. Dad's gone. Some of you cousins, uncles, aunts, relationships have changed. Some of you have got new jobs. You've lost jobs. You're better off this year than you were last year. You're not as good off this year as you were last year. Lots of things have happened this year to a lot of people, and it's been very, very, very hard. And so the Lord said, let's, let's just go simple this morning, and let's just talk about one thing so that we can all know that it's going to be okay. One other thing I want to say right quick before I start talking to you about goats. That's where we're going to start with goats. Three kinds of people here this morning. Three kinds of people. First kind of person is a person that I'm going to say everything I'm going to say and you're not going to believe a word of it and that's okay. There are people here who are not Christ followers. They're 
God willing, we'll have people that come to church every Sunday that aren't Christ followers. And I'm going to talk about things, and you're going to hear these things. And, you know, I believe in the virgin birth. I believe it. I believe it. Just as sure as I'm standing here, she did not have a relationship with a man. Mary didn't. And, and yet Jesus was still born. I believe it with all of my heart. It's the way it is. If you don't believe it, that's okay. I read an article this week by a guy who is a Christian guy and doesn't believe this. And I went, buddy, you're, you're wrong. I'm sorry. I know what I believe. I believe in the star. I believe in the manger. I believe in the wise men. I believe in Herod. I believe all of these things. They're true. I believe that. And there are people here that don't. And people, there, we have tens of people that watch our YouTube channel every week. Tens, veritable tens of people that watch our YouTube channel. And if you're watching it on YouTube and you're one of those people, that, that's okay. We have people that watch, you know, our CDs go out. We have like 18 of those. We're rocking in this town. But if you're one of these folks that, that, that hear that, that's okay. What I want to ask you to do this morning is a very simple thing. You don't have to believe what I believe, but over the next two days, would you think about what you believe? Because, see, what you believe makes a difference in how you live your life. So you need to know what you believe and then live your life off of those principles. But know what you don't just drift around. Know what you believe, all right? And then compare what you believe to what I believe, and then maybe you can get somewhere. There's another group of people in here today that believe the historicity of this story, that it all happened, it all happened exactly like it is, and you think that's good enough, and I'm telling you right now today it's not. We have to stand before an almighty God and realize that he is holy and that we are not, and we have to be broken by that, to a point that we will tell him, I will live for you for the rest of my life, no holds barred. This group is the hardest group to get to because you believe you know it all. And if he hasn't broken you, you got some work to do. Third group of people here are Christ followers that have been broken, and, and that's the way that goes. So, level set, that's where we are. Now I want to talk to you about goats. I'm going to talk to you about goats. Um, I suspect all of you go places like I do that your car knows how to get there. You don't think about going there. You just, you're going to the store, you're going to the school, you're going to Walmart, you're going wherever you're going to go, and your car just knows how to get there. And you've done this, I've done this, we've all done this. We'll either be going there and this will occur or we'll come home and you'll get out of the car and you'll stop and you'll go, how did I get here? You ever done that? You know, complete, don't remember anything about the drive whatsoever. You could have driven 50 miles. You don't remember a single thing. Now, your mind's working the whole time. If somebody puts on brakes, you put on brakes. If there's stop sign, red light, you do all the stuff. But you don't, it's just not there. My trip to Walmart from my house to Walmart is eight miles. You go up to two, you go up 212, you hit 129, you turn right, and you just drive. And my car just goes. And it's just not that kind of a drive that you notice anything. Y'all do that all the time. But on this particular morning, on this particular morning, there's a goat farm. When you turn off my house and you turn right, right just a couple of hundred yards, there's a goat farm on the right-hand side of the road. The morning sun had just come up. There was a little chill in the air. It's a beautiful morning. And this goat farm... I've passed it a hundred times. Now, I like goats, 
I don't know anything about goats. I've never been around goats. They could be the worst animal to raise in the whole, I don't know. All I know is when I see goats in the field, I go, hey, goats, cute. I do it every time. I just got this thing with goats. And when I drive by this goat pen, I look and I go, hey, goats, cute. And then I drive on up the road. But on this particular morning, this particular morning, and I want, I want you to see this. I want you to see it in your mind. This goat pen, it's maybe two acres or so. I mean, it's big. It's, it's, it's not a little bit. It's a big goat pen, about two acres of land. The pen's on the side of the hill now, and it, and it goes downhill towards the road. At the top of the hill is where the, the barn is and a few little outbuildings and, and all of that kind of stuff. And that's where, at the top of the hill, that's where the, the food and water is located for the goats. And then it slopes down till it gets to the road, but the road's up high. So you're looking down on the goat pen as you, as you drive by on the bottom of it. And then you look up the hill and you see everything that's going on up the hill. Now, near the barn is where the, is where the goats get fed. And there's a watering trough up there. I suspect it's a watering trough. That's what it looks like to me. And toward the left of the pen, the farmer has placed three round bales of hay. Now, you live in Jones County. You know what a round bale of hay looks like, right? If you don't, we'll be happy to tutor you when this is over. Round bale of hay. Two of these bales are laid on their side. They look like jelly donuts. You know, they're round, but they don't have a hole in the middle. And they're laying on their sides, and in the middle of it is the other bale that's up on its side. So you've got a tall bale here, and then two flat bales that are laying beside it, sort of pushed up against those. Now it's in the morning, and it's sort of time for breakfast. I know the goats don't necessarily have a breakfast time, but the farmer does. And so when he's in his routine, the goats get in their routine. And they have just been fed, I believe, because they're all sort of gathered around this food area. But what caught my eye and what made this seem different enough for me to pay attention to was this one large white goat. And that bad boy was standing on the top of that tallest bale of hay. But no, wait, he's facing the east, and the sun is coming up over that building. And it's one of those mornings where there was a little bit of, a little bit of mist in the air, so the sun sort of sparkled a little bit. And there's this goat, white goat, standing on top, facing the sun, coming up with his chin up in the air, and his horns back, looking regal. As regal as a goat could possibly look. And as he's standing there on top of this, on top of this bale of hay, staring into the morning sun, going, I am the king. I am the greatest goat alive. I hate it that you're not me. But there can only be one. And I'm it. Stock still, I'm telling you. Just boom. That sun. It was the strangest thing. I almost stopped and took a picture. I mean, I'm I never seen anything like it. Now, you know, it's been a long time since I was born, and I hadn't seen anything like it. 
So I drove on up to Walmart. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, Danny. I drove on up to Walmart. I got what I needed to get. We needed one more toy for the children, so I stopped and got that. Laura had ordered it, and I picked it up, and I'm coming back. And I decided that when I came back, what I was going to do is stop. If he was still up there, I was going to stop, and I was going to take a picture of him standing there. But I guess he had gotten enough of the spotlight. He was on the ground with everybody else. He was just grazing on the grass, living a life of ease, a life of contentment, a life of peace, nary a care in the world. And I thought about that because it kept going over in my mind. What in the world does this, why did this catch my mind? And then I realized every one of us has some of that goat in us. Every last one of us. Every now and then, every one of us will climb up on that hay bale with our head held high and we're somebody important. And our opinion matters more than anybody else's opinion. And what we did matters more than anything that anybody else has ever done. And our child is the brightest and the smartest. And our spouse is the prettiest and the best. And, and we're just standing on top of that bale of hay, just as important as we can possibly be, that we are somebody. And yet while that goat, now listen, here's the point. While, listen, while that goat was standing on that bale of hay, it never crossed his mind that he was in a very safe place because you see the farmer had fenced his pen in on every side and he was safe from any predator that could try to attack him farmer was watching over him all the time old him safe and secure from all alarms the farmer put up the boundary he made the fence. He made sure his flock was secure. The water in that watering trough, the farmer put there. Clean, crisp, clear, pure water in the watering trough. The goat, all he had to do was go, I'm thirsty. And he'd go drink the water that was provided for him there. The food, that very bale of hay that was his stage to show the world his greatness was provided by the farmer. The farmer did all of that. So while he's showing how great he is, the farmer in the background without saying a word is taking care of his every need and giving him an opportunity to live in peace and joy and contentment. It is absolutely no surprise to me that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Do you understand what that means? Y'all stop. Be still. Whoa. Hey, everybody look up here. That's Andy Stanley does that, so it's got to be good. Do you understand when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? That he is giving you everything you need. Do you get that? Everything you need. 
from the very beginning in the Gospels, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. Come to me, all who are all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we and we argue with him about that yoke and burden thing. If this is a, if this is a light burden, if this is a, a light yoke and an easy burden, then your definition and my definition is two different things. And he's saying, you know what? You're standing on top of the hay bale. Get down. Just get down. It's okay. We have everything we need to live and be happy. The good shepherd has provided. There's another hymn that says, All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. He's got it. You remember the first part of what Addison read to us? Read it again. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This, is the first, res- this first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus, I believe it with all of my heart, was laid in a a manger in a stable. Do y'all think about why do you have a stable? Why do you have a stable? A stable is a place that you bring your animals to to protect them and to give them what they need to make sure they're fed and watered and cleaned and taken care of. That's, you bring them into the stable for that. And that is where the good shepherd was born. Do you reckon there's any kind of correlation there? That that's the reason he was here? That maybe God was starting with the birth of his son to remind us, I'm taking care of you people. Rest. Let me do this. Yes, work hard and do the very best you can, but remember that he provides the fence. He provides the food. He provides the water. He is our life. Maybe if we could try to remember this in 2018, we would have peace on earth, goodwill toward men. If we can make ourselves stay off the hay bale. Now, I've told you this next story before. It really fits right on the end of what we're talking about here. I've, talk, I've read this story to you before. It summarizes to me, and this is my philosophy, and you get to learn a little something about me and what I believe about Jesus from this story. I want you to understand, I believe this story is a perfect picture of grace and how we're supposed to live our lives. 
I heard it a while back in a sermon that was preached by my favorite pastor, Steve Brown. He used it in his book, Scandalous Freedom. It's actually a story that was written by Calvin Miller, and it's from a book called An Owner's Manual for the Unfinished Soul. Now, before I start, let me help you that are particular about particulars. Let me help y'all ease up and take a deep breath, okay? I'm going to talk about priests. I'm going to talk about absolution. And I'm going to talk, let's say, priests, absolution, and the third one, oh, is Hades. Now, you probably aren't going to agree with those theologically. I don't, I don't either. Let me help you understand something. This is a story, okay? It's got a plot and a point, and everything in it doesn't have to work perfectly. So if you're the kind of person that says it's all got to work perfectly, hang on, you'll live through this, I promise. It won't work perfectly. But the story's really good. Here it goes. On the way to hear his morning confessions, a certain priest stopped and stole an apple from the orchard. A certain priest stopped, you got to hear the whole story, and stole an apple, got me? Stole an apple from the orchard he passed. On the orchard wall was a sign that clearly said, keep out, no pilfering. Nonetheless, the priest would steal the fruit on the way to serve his people every day. He always finished the apple just as he entered the confessional, throwing the apple core on his side of the curtain. A young girl named Cora also stopped every morning on her way to confession to steal an apple. Entering the confession, she would finish her apple and throw her apple core on her side of the curtain. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, she would say. How long has it been, my child, since your last confession? 24 hours. Is your sin the same today as it usually is? It is, Father. I'm still stealing apples on the way to confession. You are absolved. Now, try to keep away from those apples. Well, I'll try, Father. I'll try. But they are so good. And I am so weak. Every day the ritual was repeated. Every 24 hours the priest stole another apple. And so did Korah. Finally, the priest grew exasperated with Korah. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. The very ordinary confession on an ordinary morning. Today, Korah... I refuse to forgive you. You keep on stealing. And I'm tired of forgiving you. For we both know that you will do it again. You will never change, you wretched girl. Henceforth, I do not forgive you. Please, Father. I'm so very sorry. No. Before the cider dries upon your chin, you will have stolen again. I counted 365 decaying apple cores on your side of the confession. You are too wicked and apple-ridden to ever receive my forgiveness. And the girl wept. And she wept away from the confessional. For weeks her guilt grew. And finally, she quit coming to confession. Autumn came, winter approached. 
The fields around the church turned brown. The swans left the pond. The early daylight was heavy with frost, sort of like when I saw the goat pen. Apples in the orchard were very few and mostly in the very top of the trees. The wretched girl, still unable to leave her addiction, shimmied up the high frost-tinged boughs. She was about to pick an apple when she noticed some movements in the branches across from her. Then she noticed a black cassock. Father, what are you doing here? Praying, said the priest. In an apple tree? Yes, my dear, to be closer to heaven. Oh, that I came here to pray. I came only to steal apples. Wretch, screamed the priest. And at that very instant, the limb on which he was supported broke and the priest plummeted to the ground. Cora scrambled down and ran to see if the priest was dead. Girl, I'm dying. You must give me last rites. No, Father. I am impure, filled with harried and viled and unforgiven apple thieveries. I am too wicked to grant you the absolution that you need. May God have mercy on you, Father. The priest died. He went to Hades and burned in flaming cider for a thousand years. But of course, Korah never knew that. A new priest came in a few weeks. And Cora started back to church. And once again, she went to confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I stole an apple this morning on the way to church. You too, he said. Tomorrow morning, let's both steal three. And we'll bake ourselves a pie together. Who knows that maybe our Father in heaven shall provide the cinnamon for our pie. It seems that even honest thievery has its recompenses. At last the swans came back and the fields turned green. After Korah and the priest had eaten many a pie, they found they were actually beginning to help each other and support each other and pray for each other. And they were finally able to quit stealing apples. Well, actually, they didn't steal them all that often. Some sins are hard to quit. And confirmed apple thieves must help each other pass the best orchards. Some sins are hard to quit, aren't they? Some sins are hard to quit. We work so hard not to. We don't want to. We really don't want to. And yet in the middle of it, we find ourselves doing it one more time. And still, the good shepherd born as a baby in Bethlehem, 
raised to heal the sick, make the blind to see, cause the lame to walk, feed 5,000 people, walk on water, turn water to wine, raise Lazarus from the dead, died and resurrected by the hand of God himself so we can be forgiven of all of our sins. The good shepherd who provides us all our food, who provides us all our drink, who provides us all our shelter. The good shepherd provides all of the love and compassion and tender care, all of the forgiveness that we will ever need. The good shepherd does it without us even thinking about it. While we're so focused on the sin instead of the shepherd. Let each other sin. Do you hear me? Let each other sin. Come alongside each other. Show the mercy and compassion of the good shepherd to each other. Pray and support each other. And learn to help each other past the best orchards. Screaming in their face won't change a thing. But letting someone's tears stain your shirt might just do it. Life is a much less scary place when we remember the good shepherd and the good shepherd says, I gotcha. It's going to be okay. Would you pray with me? I read this prayer this week and I want to pray it over us. Dear Lord Jesus, good shepherd of the sheep, you gather the lambs in your arms and carry them in your bosom. We commend to your loving care us. Relieve our pain. Guard us from all danger. Restore to us your gifts of gladness and strength and forgiveness. And raise us up to a life of service to you. Hear us as we pray. For your dear name's sake. Amen. While we sing this morning, will you remember the good shepherd? Let's stand.